Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Oh, this is immediately awkward. How do I start the show in our normal format without somehow sounding like a racist caricature? Jake, you started. Oopsily doodles, fuckity shit. <laughs> this topic's racial and we're not good at it. Three bearded white guys doing their best. We're doing Splash Mountain. I hope it'll rest easily on the minds of America's uh, <laughs> cultural critics. And I'm your wizard, Holden McNeely. Not that kind of wizard. I know. Jesus <laughs> Welcome to our new show, Grand Wizard and the Bruiser. Holden McNeely and Jake Young telling I am you. a talking frog. How about that? I'll just jump to Princess and the Frog. Yes. Right? He kind of had an accent like this. Did it he kind of the prince? Prince Nazim. Yes. yes. Prince Nazim. Isn't that wonderful? By the way, the voice you're hearing right now, our resident Disney expert, Ed Larson joining Hello. us yet again. How you doing? <laughs> and going uh, to the laughing place. Laughing place. <laughs> laughing. <laughs> and what a fascinating, like, you know, sometimes I have to like work hard for a thesis or like a overlying, like, what is the story kind of in this in this one? This one's just Splash Mountain is like the epicenter of just it's chaos. Everything. Disney's everything, just Disney's entire relationship to racism and and you know not just uh, his, Disney's Americas and because yeah. Disney is a company whose sole purpose is to appeal to the most Americans at as possible at any given moment. Disney can't like shut the door on this thing either because it'll get a bunch of people like mad at them. And those people spend a lot of money. And for some reason think like, uh, you know, schmancy uh, Victorian era sun umbrellas under a magnolia tree is still a quaint romantic picture <laughs> instead of like a horrifying like relic. <laughs> yes. It is crazy because like a Song of the South, the, the movie yes, that inspired is, is the basis uh, of yeah Splash Mountains themed uh, uh, behind yeah Song yeah. of the South. It's like that movie came out, and then like even when it came out in the early forties, people, people were like, like "What Whoa. the fuck?" Which yeah. I shocked, which honestly shocked me. I really thought it was the kind of thing where several years later we look back and go, "Oh, but yeah, it was like something Walt Disney pushed for." It was uh, based on you know him hearing these Uncle Remus fables as a child and really loving those and yeah. feeling this was like a really good foundation for like a storybook kind of. I think at first show even I don't even. No, I think at first I think it was going to be a bunch of shorts, maybe, and then they yeah. found a way to make it into a feature. It was a bunch of shorts. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it makes perfect sense. Like 
Walt Disney made so much money and got, you know, became this this industry leading figure with Cinderella and Snow White and right. uh, Sleeping Beauty and all this stuff. So naturally, what are the American fairy tales, tall tales and all <laughs> yeah. that? But he needed like something where he could get the rights to it. And the thing that fit this perfect like money solution was the Br'er Rabbit Uncle Remus tales because yeah. there was an actual author whose family could sign off on it, even though it was a bunch of folk tales that were like taken from all over the American South and all that stuff. But there's so much more to like, okay, we're all elder millennials, I'd say. We're all in our 30s or early 40s and like Song of the Technically, South. Technically, I'm Gen X. But really? Know, Good for you. Yeah, yeah, dude. Nirvana. Dude, he was there <laughs> when <laughs> Kirk Cobain blew his brains out. Eddie, Eddie you, you feel way too much joy in your heart to be Gen X. I don't believe you. <laughs> and I'm that weird crossover. I'm like, I feel like part of my heart is in Gen X oh, a yeah. little bit. All the older kids we thought were cool and we wanted to emulate were explicitly Gen X. So, like, Here's what are. makes me Gen X. I was in the computer lab waiting for three hours for a single picture of Green Day to load up on the screen from the internet. Oh my god, when we had to wait for like the boobies to like Dude, slowly. I'd click on the picture, I'd go to class, and I'd come back later that day and just hope that no one touched that particular computer. Like, so that the I could reason. print out a single p- color picture of the band Green Day. The reason I bring this up is because uh, growing up, like there was the Disney Channel, there was uh, the Disney tapes, the sing-along tapes, all this stuff. And yes. like you would see zippity Doodah. zippity Doodah mm-hmm. was part of the Disney canon. It was there. It was real. And it was the theme to Disneyland. Yeah. It was like the theme. It was like they played it at the open and close every single day. It was their biggest song. It was like the Disneyland flagship song. But the movie it. Song of the South was verboten. Like I would ask my parents about it and they're like, oh no, you can't watch that. Or like, no, I it's went and not saw on it tape. in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I saw it the last the final release in eighty six. I was five years old and I went my babysitter brought me to go see it in the theater. And I remember loving it. You know, I, mean, I didn't know any better. I was five years old. I you know, remember, like, I'm glad Jake brought up just now what he brought up that I just, rem- I don't remember seeing the movie, although I'm pretty sure I watched a decent amount of it yesterday. I didn't actually finish it. Oh, I, I had other things it. to do. I finished <laughs> But, I, and I don't re- specifically remember seeing the movie. I remember seeing some of the animation parts, but I do remember those like storybook little like records or whatever. Or, or, the little plot. Didn't we have little I plastic brought, record players. He brought his yeah. vinyl. I brought this uh, show and tell. It's got it's a record. It was this one. This one came out. They're already losing Song of the South. Right. Like right. they're it's already in small like small words. Yeah. Right up top. Right. It just says Song of the South. Uh, Not even songs, songs and, and stories of Uncle Remus. It wow. doesn't even say Song of the South. This this was printed in 1970. And it says Br'er Rabbit only like right up at the top. No, yeah. no. And, actual and then it also has a storybook with everything. But right here they have the infamous right when you open it. They the, still have the, the infamous uh, Tar Baby. The Tar um, Baby. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's hard to say. It's hard. To yeah, say I know. I, a trigger <laughs> warning for like we're yeah. not going to be used. I'm, I honestly worked around a lot of the like language because I just don't want to have to sit here and say a bunch of slurry things well, that's all the episode. that's only but really bad one. Yeah, but yeah. There's also the song that inspired Zippity Doodah that I discovered and who lordy. That is <laughs> what is oh. that? I don't even know anything about this. Do you? Are you aware of the masked uh, rodent uh, frequently seen uh, rummaging through garbage uh, and how it relates to ethnic slurs? Yes. So there is a song 
that uh, oh, yeah. is called Zip Blank, and it's sung to the song of Turkey in the Straw, and it's basically, it's the actual chorus, which was popular in minstrel shows, goes, oh, zip a dude and dude and zip a dude and day, oh, zip a dude and dude and zip a dude and day. Uh, and then it's just a bunch of like really cringy references to stuff like eating possum heels. And it's oh, like, wait, you remember that song? It's the song your dad always sung when he took a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. His, His dad club. wasn't horribly racist per se. I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time with like him. Like this, <laughs> this whole subject matter is so soaked in racially so charged sticky, bullshit man. that yeah. even zippity doodah, the yes. nice thing that everybody agrees on, the thing that is so inoffensive that even like 1989, Michael Eisner was like, yeah, yeah, we can make a big ass plaster mountain dedicated to this. Right. Uh, is still dates back to minstrel shows. And it's funny too, even like how they came to create a ride themed based on it, which had more to do with this, this other animatronic uh, ride that they were going to just use all the animatronics from. And yeah. so they were like, how do we take the, how do we apply those? Oh, this movie kind of works. It, it, it's weird. I, I would say it's such a slip past the goalie situation, not just the movie getting made and coming out, but then also the ride being applied to that film as the theme. Yeah. And then now what's so funny too, is if you don't know, they're retheming it for princess and the frog, which uh, I had not seen until the, this week. Oh, it's really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Loved it. And this beautiful, like love letter to the 2d animation, uh, the, the, years la of Disney. the last one. Yeah. I just, I, I absolutely loved it. And it's so funny too, because even in the comments of like, cause you know, we're in this dumb fuck, like woke, what a anti woke, whatever shit, you know, censorship, blah, blah, blah. Even in the comments of like articles I was reading just about the changeover and everything, just people be like, there was nothing wrong with that movie. It's a great movie. They're just trying. <laughs> what about the Guardians of the Galaxy thing? Do you care at all about that? No. no? Oh, interesting. You don't give a fuck that they're re revising this. All They've revised so many rides. Everything. Frozen took well, over. This uh, is what happens every single time they, do, they do this to a ride. Everyone flips out when they announce it. Mm -hmm. They recreate it. It's always better. And then they're like, we love it. Dude. You know, like, like a year or two passes and like now everyone, now there's like a three hour wait for Guardians of the Galaxy. All I can think about is how much cooler this ride is going to be when they apply the New Orleans, like the music's the, going to get the music, the, amazing. The, the, the voodoo sequence, the like neon crazy, you know, well, it's the animatronics actually, aren't going to be a bunch of recycled geese from a fucking. <laughs> well, they're going to keep a lot of those in there. Oh, okay. They, they're going to keep a lot of the animatronics that are in there now and just kind of re reskin them. And uh, <laughs> which is no, it's, it, it's a it's a term. <laughs> yeah, do they scream when they get reskinned? Is my question. You ever been on Star Tours, by the way? No. All right. So, uh, have you been on Star Tours, Jake? The original one, not the one that they revamped. Yes, like the original one that's still it's still running oh. in uh in both Tomorrowland and Disneyland and in uh and in uh the Hollywood uh studios or at old MGM. Uh but in there you there's these two little like like TSA robots, you know, and they got two mm. big eyes on top and they make fun of everyone as they walk by. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are also America Sings robots. Oh, okay. Because they are the storks that you see when in Splash Mountain when you're doing, if I don't know if you did a ride through or anything like that, mm -hmm. but when the did, storks yeah. you see, that's yeah. just the storks without any of their, oh. any of their feathers uh, or anything on it. We should say America Sings is that other animatronic show that they re repurposed the animatronics for when they were coming up with Splash Mountain, which we'll get into more detail in just 
just a little bit just yeah. to clarify. But, you know, the whole tale of it's coming together the you know the 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 ride itself's amazing. I definitely also have a brief history of log flumes oh, uh, for, for you oh, guys, hell yeah. which because it is such an interesting kind of weird based on lumberjacks and how they would just um, move lumber from you know the woods into the the lumber yard. It's amazing how much people were interested in mundane shit back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Well, I mean, a lot of times, yeah, uh, Disney can speak towards that. They're like, here's a whole ride where you just learn about shoes. They used to have like this thing (laughs) in Tomorrowland back when it like it was like 1959. They had the House of Aluminum. It was just like you just walk through a museum of aluminum put on by Monsanto because they're like, we really got to push this aluminum. It was just (laughs) something else. It was just something different. But anyways, yeah, I'm just incredibly excited for this repurpose. I think it's just it's it makes absolute sense. And the, the it's the perfect theme. And uh fucking Splash Mountains right on the edge of New Orleans town or whatever. New it Orleans is. Square in yeah. Disneyland, but in uh in Magic Kingdom oh, it doesn't okay. really work. It's in Frontierland. Oh, so New okay. Orleans isn't exactly the old west. So nah, they're gonna have nah, to nah, they're gonna, well, gonna be the uh, Splash Mountain ride, like the Br'er Rabbit stories are like based out of Georgia predominantly. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole Okie Finoki like thing, but the show ends on a riverboat anyway. Like it's all because mm-hmm. yeah, the true. whole point of Disney is that it just takes all of America and just crunches it into this candy colored dream where it all just blurs together into warm, nice feelings. So like no one's going to be like, Hey, wait a minute. The Acadian uh, Exodus didn't happen until way after the original <laughs> manifest destiny <laughs> protocol. Like, <laughs> Um, so, you know, we always do the gush. I've already talked about how I was very pleasantly surprised by the Princess of Rock. Not even surprised. I knew it was good. I just never got around to watching it. Love it. Love the setting. Love the, the acting, the visuals, the songs. It was just wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Song of the South, I don't think. I mean, if I did see it, it was forever ago. Had very little memory of it, but definitely had some flashbacks watching the uh, original movie, even though I think for me personally, I think it was more based on like toys and yeah. Storybooks and things that just had little, like, all the less horribly problematic shit about that movie kind of conveniently. Well, they would repurpose the shorts, you know, Mm -hmm. the cartoon shorts, because there's three stories in Song of the South. Yes. And they would repurpose those and put those, like, individually in, like, Masterpiece Theater Mm -hmm. and these old, Mm -hmm. like, Disney Channel uh, shows where they would, like, play a bunch of cartoons in a row. So, yeah, I definitely probably saw it from that. I'm not even sure if I actually saw the full original film back when I was a kid. Splash Mountain, unfortunately, I don't think I wrote it. And that's, again, why we have resident expert Ed here. Ed, what is your relationship to the ride Splash Mountain? I mean, I love it. It's one of the best rides I've ever been on. There's like, and obviously we've talked about the negative connotations, but when I was a kid, you know, I had like forgotten I even seen Zippity Doodah until my uh-huh. mother reminded me, or like, that's what I called it. It was mm-hmm. Song of the South. You yeah. Know, I forgot that I had ever seen it. And then, and I remember loving those cartoons, but I forgot about the whole Uncle Remus character and all that stuff. And basically, the most offensive part of Song of the South to, isn't in the ride. You yes. know, like, they well, got but rid- it's repurposed to a 
a beehive. Yes, <laughs> but like I'm talking about the most. I'm talking about the live action stuff. But yes, that as well. Which but is the, kind of interesting, though. That it's technically sort of there, but it's a beehive instead of a well, tar baby. Yes, and that that. But the, also, Uncle Remus was replaced. Yeah, for totally the ride. removed. The, totally no, removed. He wasn't totally removed. They turned him into a talking frog. <laughs> Brer frog, as yeah, the character. Yeah, frog. There's a frog, which is yeah. so weird. So you already got a frog. As you enter, like into the complex, and you get on the line. There's a bunch of quotes that are unattributed that are Uncle Remus quotes from the movies, just like when the critters were close to the folks and the folks were closer to the critters back then. And I think we yeah. can agree it was a better time, which like already, <laughs> already. By the way, one of my favorite facts about Song of the South is James Basket, right? Is that his name? Basket, yeah. I think. James Basket um, wasn't allowed to go to the preview. To the, uh, premiere. To the premiere, rather. It was in Atlanta in a segregated theater and he couldn't go. And they gave, <laughs> but they did give him uh, an honorary Oscar. Yes. He was the second black person to ever win an Oscar. He got an honorary Oscar, but yeah, wasn't allowed to go see his own movie he was the star of. Yeah, uh, I know, which is insane. Same so thing happened crazy. in Gone, Gone with Gone with the Wind with uh-huh. Hattie McDaniel. Gotcha. You know, it was the same kind of, It was. it's crazy that it took, and even then people were like, what's going on? Like, even in the 40s, they're like, if you're in the movie, you get to see it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, 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 come on. <laughs> like, this so is crazy. insane to me. But going back to the ride being great and more some of the more positive aspects, like, what made Splash Mountain, like, you're the best? The- I mean, the anticipation mm-hmm. for the drop yeah. is unbelievable. Because I was going to say, I've ridden log flumes before, but it was just incredibly simple. You get in the flume, you go up the yeah. hill, There's you drop down, you get wet. There's sad about those, like, uh, smaller amusement park log flumes where it really is just, like, a plastic slope yeah. that you just like yeah. empty it's, of anything. Yeah, it's just the the splash experience. But this had a whole story, you know, in, in the tradition of Disney park rides. Yeah, and it starts off like on this, like you're on this like peaceful boat ride, you know, and you're just chilling. It's nice, you know, and you're outside and it's just like you're taking it all in. The the music's soft. You, you see like Br'er uh, Rabbit's home and he's like, I'm out of here because that's, you know, mm-hmm. he just wants to leave home. He's He wants to like go to the big city and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like a tale of don't leave home. Mm-hmm. That's the whole tale, you know. Like, like you're you're too good for yours. Don't leave. But then uh, you get, and then once you get inside, the animatronics, and it's really just like bliss. Because I love an audio animatronic. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the coolest yeah. thing. Uh, even though like they these things were made in the seventies, I still think it's unbelievable how they sync it all up and they put the smells in and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think it, the whole ride is beautiful. It's hilarious. There's an alligator eating a bear. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. What, what else do a I need? A lot of big bear asses just like hanging yeah, out in that ride. A lot of bear ass. Yeah. Bear bear is just throwing his dumpy left and right in that ride. <laughs> but they're saying um, that they're just going to reuse all those animatronics and reskin them to be the alligator. I was going to say, yeah, that this is a one-to-one to the alligator for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. so simple, you know. It really is kind of could not be more obvious to repurpose it with Princess and the Frog. I mm-hmm. even had this great, I have some quotes from this one guy on Facebook meticulously just went ahead and like redesigned the ride in yeah. his own way. And it really was like, yeah, that makes absolute sense. It just replaced this character with this character, replaced this moment with this moment. It's all like right there in front of you. Well, it's interesting what they're going to do with the story is they're not actually going to make it a ride of Princess and the Frog. Uh-huh. It takes place 
as soon as the movie ends. Oh, cool. So it's going to like be a new story with new original songs. And like oh. they're really putting a lot of work and time into it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm totally down with that. I mean, I love when they make new songs for rides. It's something I feel like Disney has lost in the years. Right. You know, like they did it for the Runaway Railway, the uh-huh. new uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. They moved a new song for that. But yeah, like Disney, it's all about like, hearing a song from the parks and you take it home and it becomes like, you know, it's a small world and, you know, grim grinning ghosts and, you know, pirate's life, you know, it's like, it's, you know, you, these are songs we all know, but they only exist in the parks, Uh you know? And so I I find it, I find it to be such an interesting, cool thing to like, you know, let's put some new music into the parks. Do you have this feeling like I got to ride the original one, like one last time? Of course, I'm going to do it as many times as possible. Yeah, right. It's, that's got to be such a wild feeling. And it's not going to close until, um, Fall 2023, so we have plenty of time. And hey, I've always wanted to go to Tokyo, Ed. Oh my god! Oh my god, Holden. I don't know if you know this, but right now, because of record heat waves in Japan, uh, the ride in Tokyo Disneyland has actually been uh, altered to create even bigger splash effects for a uh, (laughs) month-long event that they're calling Splash Mountain. Quote: Get wet, Max. Which is actually my nickname in college, uh, which is amazing. Yeah, but they your name's me not G- Max. <laughs> I, well, you know, I, it's, it's, you get to change your identity when you go there. You here's, know, they, here's a fun little factoid about Splash Mountain: in the summer months, they put more water in there, so you get more wet, and in the winter months, they take water out, so you don't get as wet when you go through. I love mm-hmm. it. Makes so much sense. Here's another little tip for oh, you: yeah. if you're riding Splash Mountain, I'm a big guy. Make sure, first of all, if you're big, make sure you sit in the back of the right. log, not the front of the log. One time they put me in the front of the log. It was me, Julie, and then like two like twelve year old girls. And then I would, I they got so Loosed. wet because my because I'm so big that when I went down the big when we went down the big uh, hill, the I was so top heavy that the log dipped in. And it wasn't the splash that got them. It was just the boat filled with water. Oh, oh god! <laughs> and so that's a tip. Your ass always gets wet. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you don't. So right before the splash happens, just kind of lift your butt off the seat just mm-hmm. a tiny. Any bit, a bit and let the water run through the seat and then sit down. There Otherwise, you go. you're going to get a butt full of water. Yeah, yeah. But and that was always the thing with the log flume, right? Because mm-hmm. I, the, I, there was one, I believe, at Paramount's Carowinds, and it was just like, I, I don't know how many times it took me to realize, like, you're wet for the like next two to three hours. Oh, yeah. Bring extra socks. Yeah, like bring extra socks or like maybe do it at the very end. Or the very beginning when true. you can like, get, if it's hot out and, yeah. you, and you can just like get dry off throughout the day. Yeah, that's true as also, well. Also, an excuse to buy a fun sweater. Oh, I, that's fun. Bro, I, Splash Mountain was like the first quote unquote thrill ride I rode on when I was a little kid and like I was aware of all the marketing. I, you know, watched the Ernest special. I like so crazy. saw the... Uh, Splash Mountain rap, uh, which, by the oh. way, April, if you can go ahead and play some of the Splash Mountain rap. Hit it! Well, you know it is a thrill when you go downhill Cause you're riding on the mountain of your own free will And you're zipping in a flash on a daring dash Down a waterfall so rapid that you go splish splash Splash mountain Zippity doo dah Splash mountain Zippity hey My oh my Wonderful day Splish splash Plenty of sunshine Splish splash In my way Zip 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 z
Zip, zip, zippity doo da. Um. And now, just to fuck with everybody, here's that no. DK rap one last time, April. Hit it! God damn it. We have too much power on this show. I don't like that you can just drop that at will. Splash Mountain, zippity doo da. Splash Mountain, zippity day. What, 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 why? Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness they learned their lesson about misrepresenting black culture. How crazy is that? How completely um, insane. Like, like, how tone deaf do you have to be to even make the ride in the first place? Right. But then to make that the commercial right. for it. Just a bunch of dudes dancing with constru- hey, rapping. Hey, constru- like hip-hop, right? <laughs> it's, um, it's not open yet. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I feel like we got to get into it. We've got a lot to cover here. Two movies and a ride. Uh, let's start with, of course, the infamous Song of the South, a live-action animated musical drama film directed mm-hmm. by uh, Harvey Foster and Wilford Jackson, each focusing on the live-action and animation segments, respectively. The film is based on a collection of African-American folk tales compiled and adapted by Joel Handler Harris, uh, Chandler. Chandler Harris, a journalist who worked in the post-Reconstruction era in the American South, which took place right after the events of American the American Civil War, Sherman's burning of Atlanta. I guess what's to know about this kid? This kid's dad left uh, at an early age. Uh, he ended up showing some promise as a young writer, ended up being taken in by this guy who had a printing press. Um, on his plantation and he put out a paper that was like one of the only plantation centric newspapers called I believe the governor he took Harris under his wing and Harris, you know, in the evening hours would often visit the slave quarters and would often uh, sit down and have conversations with a few different folks um, that were essentially all mishmashed together and and turned into this Uncle Remus character. But they would tell him all these different folk tales, very like Aesop's Fables style, but they were largely derived from African folk tales, but they would adapt them into a more, you know, American-centric kind of landscape and everything. Everything of like the old South, and that's where we get the Br'er Rabbit and and Bear and all that kind of stuff. And it'd always be these like morality tales and things like that. And so Harris took all these stories and pulled them together and created this Uncle Remus character as an amalgamation of these people and published his work in 1881. So yeah, that's where we get this original work. Now cut to 1946, and Disney is struggling a bit after the events of World War II. This largely slowed the production down. They had only put out some like kind propaganda. of like you can propaganda, say propaganda war film. films. Yeah. No, you know yeah, what I mean? No, they definitely made like Donald Duck going to war and shit like yeah, that. Which that they had to make at cost because they couldn't be seen as war profiteers and that's like just so there was no new money coming in. Um, the They had a, in 1941 was the animator strike, thus even further increasing the cost of animation and so like Disney really like was they, I believe it was a loophole with their distributor RKO where yeah. they could get cheaper distribution if it if their movies included more expensive animation but was mostly cheaper live action, which uh, for, you know, I, you know, there's Mr. Limpet, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. There's like 
Yeah. As a kid, I always thought all of these live action hybrid movies were boring as shit. I wanted the cartoons. <laughs> I would like fast forward when it was just people in a mm-hmm. room talking. I even what about fast- Mary Poppins? I even Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins was pretty good, but even then That's I was like, one. what's a suffragette? I don't know. Fast forward. I'm <laughs> <laughs> And uh, during this time with RKO, they put out, they had already done two live action animation mixes, Saludos Amigos and The Three Caballeros. And Walt Disney himself had always enjoyed that Uncle Remus storybook. And again, I should like go a little bit more into the Uncle Remus thing. This is a white guy trying to write in what he felt was like slave speak of yeah. the time. I mean, this this even back then it garnered controversy. It's kind of hilarious. It's it crazy. always garnered controversy. Like, even the Uncle they, they weren't like every America loves Uncle Remus. It was like, yeah. no, <laughs> this is clearly kind of fucked. The classic like white person taking a bunch of yeah. uh stuff from African American culture and just like putting it through this distorted, you know. I mean, to really twist the knife in terms of like cultural criticism, like the Br'er Rabbit stories and uh, various other trickster figures within African, Pan-Caribbean and slave cultures was really like an attempt at self-preservation. It was all these stories of people Mm. or critters under such like unbelievable odds, under such physical oppression that like they had to, through sheer like novel wit and will, get out of these situations and survive somehow. And those were like empowering and comforting to uh, a group of people under the most extreme of oppression and horrors to like live through. So Mm -hmm. like to, for Chandler to like smooth it out for the sake of like a majority audience. And then for Disney to even further smooth it out to the point where they are now theme park characters is like gross. I mean, yeah, there's uh, obviously, Oh God, I could, uh, hold and cut my mic with as soon as this gets too bit. But like there is like, <laughs> you know, there if there was a if there was mo- there's tons of movies set in the Northeast set in like other places where like there isn't like a friendly Iroquois guy that's like, howdy, howdy. I sure do love y'all. You're great. I am. not. I have no qualms with what of uh, anything that happened between our people. Like it's just the I idea. mean, it's Pocahontas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pocahontas was actually around the Splash Mountain time. Like, like everybody, yeah. there's this like version of where they think like, oh no, 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 we did it good enough. Like, there was tons of people that wrote articles uh, back in the '40s and all the re-releases that was like, "Song of the South" is a great movie because look how friendly everybody's. Being. It won two Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> it was. You know, it was. It's crazy. And and one for Zippity Doodah, which again was still is. I mean, it'll a, never stop being played. Yeah, that'll be a fundamental be foundation of Disney and Disney theme parks. Yeah, for sure. And I you mean, know it's a, a great tune. I mean, come on. At the end of the day, if, if it's the song, I mean, good I enough. Can, I love, you know, it taught me how to whistle. I'll say that much. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> any song I can teach a boy how to whistle, a boy the size of the moon how to whistle. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, how like the special effects of it, people kind of lost, they really liked it and how that was like a thing of the time with bed knobs and broomsticks mm-hmm. and Mary Poppins. It was actually because it was it was a special effect that was the first thing Disney ever made. Like before Mickey, before Oswald the Rabbit, he did the Alice Adventures, which was like kind of like Alice in Wonderland. But it was like a little girl and cartoons going past and go and her interacting with cartoons. And so like it was like kind of old hat at this point. And you're right. It was it was weird that they, you know, that they chose to do this. It obviously was to save money. And with the writer strike, I mean mm. I mean the animator uh-huh. strike, the uh that was all he wasn't paying his animators back mm. then. He no. just like he was like refusing to he was paying like he was overworking them. It was crazy. And then he started doing union busting at the same time. And then and then he was a part of the um what was that? The blacklist. Oh, the, the, uh, the communist on a, on American blacklist. committee activities uh-huh. committee. Uh, yeah, with uh, yeah, McCarthy. He named names because like if you had your wherewithal to like stand up to the Disney Corporation, Chances are you showed up on a communist meeting one or once or twice. And so like, yeah, he had he explicitly had nothing but to benefit from ratting them out. Yeah. No. And I think that that's one of the reasons that this movie was made was because he was going through all that other stuff. So Disney buys the rights for $10,000 in 1939. I mean, he goes on to make millions of dollars off of Song of the South, by the way. And initially was going to make it an entirely animated feature and then a series of shorts. And then we get to that live action mix. Disney hired a man named Dalton Raymond. Now, this is an interesting character. And by interesting, I mean racist. Uh, (laughs) Dalton, uh, Dalton writes the initial screenplay. Raymond was a Southerner who, uh, this was his first screenplay. I'm not really sure how this guy got the job. Uh, he definitely <laughs> included some very questionable terminology towards black people in this initial outline. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever kind of slurs from this time you could think of were were in there, except for maybe the N-word. You know, just a lot of different stuff that they had to go back and cut out. They hire an African-American performer named Clarence Muse as a consultant. However, he ends up quitting after Raymond Raymond ignores his request to portray African-American characters in the script as humans devoid of Southern stereotypes. I mean, there's literally slaves dancing around and singing because they're happy they're working. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the twist is that technically it's set in the antebellum uh, South. So like these are all supposed to be sharecroppers, but it's they make no any effort whatsoever to clarify that. So you just see a bunch of. Uh, black people who are impoverished, like staying on the property of the big house, gathered around a fireplace, living in shacks. Like, yeah, it's wild. It's it's very surprising that they they like filmed it and like everyone just sat there and watched them film it. They're like, this is great. This is great. <laughs> it's also God watching the movie. It's so weird because like the, you're introduced to Uncle Remus. Uh, and they're literally singing how he is like the elder, like lore keeper and cultural leader and like 
the president of their community who like keeps the secrets and traditions alive and understand mm-hmm. and like tells them how the world came to being. And this guy has nothing better to do than make sure this little pissy white kid is like feeling happy. <laughs> it's like the ballad of Curtis Lowe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, another man was then hired named Maurice Rapf, who was brought in by Disney to help smooth out all those unsavory terms and whatnot. And he was close enough to a black guy. He was Jewish and liberal. So they felt like he could at least come in and kind of fix this. All this to say is this is direct evidence that they knew even back then in the script writing phase that this was a heavily problematic. Yeah piece of material i mean even the like the good character brer rabbit is like a piece of shit when we say you know i want to say the word again so we'll say tb mm-hmm. uh when he <laughs> when he when he interacts with the tb um he like says hi to it you know and yeah. it doesn't say hi back and he gets mad and so he starts like beating it <laughs> until like he gets stuck in the tar and that's how they catch him which is insane to me he's supposed to be the character we like yeah it's it's pretty wild well even he i mean just the way the dialogue with him the voice acting even just feels yes. no it's, it's, I, it was shocking to me i was like oh i thought they had like silly cartoony voices but they really do no. have like kind of i listened to this record today and it's like woof yeah <laughs> i mean it's uh, rare rabbit's original voice is a man named johnny lee who got popular by uh, portraying this like shyster kind of uh, tricky uh, black man named Algonquin K- J. Calhoun on Amos and Andy. Like it's oh, just okay. like, it's yeah, that's just every layer we're peeling on this. It's just more shame from America's past. <laughs> <laughs> so of course we already mentioned this, but the film features several songs, including zippity doodah. And this wins an Oscar. The film also features three animated segments, including the Briar rabbit and the TB, the film and years since of course had garnered, a ton of attention for, according to cultural historian Jason Spur, being, quote, one of Hollywood's most resiliently offensive racist texts. The (laughs) NAACP actually put out a statement upon the film's release, saying the organization, quote, recognizes in Song of the South remarkable artistic merit in the music in the combination of living (laughs) actors and cartoon (laughs) technique. Wow. It, regret, it regrets, however, that in an effort neither to offend audiences in the North or South, the production helps to perpetuate a dangerously glorified picture of slavery. Making use of the beautiful Uncle Remus folklore, Song of the South unfortunately gives the impression of an idyllic master-slave relationship, which is a distortion of the facts. Yep. It's one of the most pervasive lies about the Confederacy was that like, no, 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 no. They liked being slaves. We, 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 things were actually better before they were freed. If anything, we have to return to this idyllic past of Dixie in its prime. Um, and it's just so amazing that the NAACP like recognized that, called it out, but like still had to like preamble it with obviously zippity doodah is a banger. Nobody's saying it's not. <laughs> Zippity doodah slaps, obviously. Listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Holy shit, zippity doodah is insane. That's like, oh, I've, I've been having it on, I mean, I don't have it, on, I can't repeat, but I've been like walking back to my phonograph and moving the needle back on constantly on that. 
Let's get out of this sticky, murky uh, swamp well, here. Uh, Speaking uh, of sticky, you the, say, uh, would you be say like a pot of honey oh, or perhaps right, a please. baby made of some kind of pitch-like substance? It's a beehive. <laughs> it's a beehive. Good Lord. So do you know that Splash Mountain was not the um, first ride based on the... Uh, on the Uncle Remus stories. I, I Please go on. Yes, there is another one in Atlanta, in the uh, Six Flags Atlanta, uh, the, the the Tales of the Okie Finoki. Uh, it was a it was a, a dark yes. ride. It wasn't a log flume, but it was a boat ride. And uh, and you you went through. And I I sent you some links. Uh, the Tales of the Okie Finoki song is pretty great. I feel like we should play it. Uh, sure, yeah. hit it. <laughs> It was just like, it was, you know, some of the people who worked at Disney quit Disney and went over the Six Flags and designed some of these animatronics that they had in there, but they were still so janky looking. Mm -hmm. You got to go look. And they had a bunch. It was the Br'er Rabbit was a big head and stuff like that. And they had Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear, but they also had like this row of singing carrots. And that's, uh, (laughs) and uh, one day the singing carrots caught fire and that was the end of that ride. (laughs) Here's something. What was that? That was. Was that it? That was at Six Flags, right? Yeah, in yeah, Georgia. yeah. I saw. We did catch a video of that. Shout out to user Torgo from our Patreon who sent us uh, that that vi- uh, video about the making of that ride and gave you some historical perspective on Song of the South as well. Uh, yeah. Is this common knowledge? I didn't realize this that one of the flags in the Six Flags moniker is the Confederate flag. Oh yeah, this the ride wow. was in the Confederate section of the park. <laughs> wow, there was the whole like they had like Confederate land oh. and uh, the, and this was like the flagship ride in confederate land and so just like it's like no part of this is like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just so you can't even and wait, why, why is it six flags getting so much shit these days that's insane i didn't know anything about that so let's talk about something of slightly more innocent that is the history of the log flume oh um, i like this i like this i don't have a ton on it but i will just oh, say in the okay in the mid 1800s tons of americans made their way to California and what was referred to as the gold rush, uh, as we all know, went out and uh, prospectors and whatever out going out in the old West 49ers. Of course, you know, all these settlers were not able to strike gold and become rich. So many had to turn to other means of profit. And a big one was the lumber industry. By the late 1800s, lumberjacks started using a complex system of wooden flumes and a steady flowing stream of water to move wood from the forest to the sawmill. And the lumberjacks would ride them as well, partially to quote, like, Make sure that everything was running smoothly, but also I think they were joyriding most of the time. They were on these log flumes. Yeah. And <laughs> so the system is hammered, right? Just getting trashed at the end of the day, hopping on the flume. Uh, and this system inspired a company called Aero Development to develop amusement park attractions that they attempted to sell to different parks. And it wasn't until 1963 that 
unbelievable. Six Flags over <laughs> Texas debuted. <laughs> Speak of the Devil debuted the first ever log flume attraction called El Aceradero, which is still in operation to this day. You can actually go ride the very first log flume. I mean, ever. that's pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. I kind of want to go. It proved to be so successful. They had to build a second one just to keep up with demand and, you know, cut over to obviously it's 20 years before uh, uh, Disney ends up also deciding to get into the log flume business with Splash Mountain. But a lot of it is just them really needing to get that like teenager market and realizing like we need more thrill rides and stuff. Yeah, go on, Jake. Before we get into Michael Eisner and how he uh, just literally put the fate of Disney World in the hands of his shithead punk teenage son. um, I mean, he did a pretty good job for a little while. He did. I mean, you got (laughs) to trust the new generation. Um, Besides the log flume, just the idea of water based rides is like dates back to like even the 1800s because uh, as like picnic parks became amusement parks, became uh, rides and attractions, uh, one of the easiest, most simple means of like kind of shuttling people through a space was uh, the old mill where uh, boats would be put on a narrow canal path and a single like actual like water wheel would paddle the water through the loop and get everybody moving at a reasonably like uh, standard speed. Uh, There's actually an old mill ride in Rye Playland, which was the closest amusement park to where I grew up. There's one in Kennywood that was briefly a Garfield themed ride. Yes. Uh, But the Tunnel of Love was like based on the idea that all these picnic area, dark ride, canal things had just long, dark uh, segments where teenagers could like get their finger blast on. Um, (laughs) There were other rides like the water toboggan where people would set up long slides that just like dumped you directly into the ocean. Of course, there was Mm. Finger Blast Cove, (laughs) which was just really straight up what, what it was advertising. Well, so little people were riding the Tales of the Okie Finoki when it was like by the end of it that pe- the kids like literally would jump off the log mm-hmm. flume and like fuck in the scenes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good. God bless America. You know what I mean? God it's, blesses listen, everyone. I just want to, if you're going to do it, just do it at the Okie Finokie ride where I know you're safe. Okay. Don't forget <laughs> to use our gross old timey condoms, which of course is sandpaper mixed with glue. Yeah, <laughs> or lamb skin. We yeah. use the skin of another animal. <laughs> so, like, it's weird that the log flume itself actually came into being in the '60s because America loved sitting on a paying to be in a enclosed piece of property and sitting on a boat for quite some time. Yeah. I mean, it's dark rides. Dark rides are, are the, that's what makes Splash Mountain so great is that it is a throw ride and a dark ride at the same time. It's one of the only ones that does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what makes it work so well because, like, again, going back to it, like, I mean, is there any other log flume that isn't just going up the hill and sliding down for a splash? I mean, I don't know of any other Theme log park flume. nerds will fight to the death over like ride designations. Like, is the Jurassic World ride at Universal is that a shoot the shoot or a log flume? Is the Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean a water ride or a dark ride? Like, there's mm-hmm. all sorts of weird shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's there's it's very nuanced, but the best is when you combine everything. Yeah, like, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Eddie, you mentioned, I'm sorry, you mentioned this, Eddie, and it's such a perfect moment in Splash Mountain where, like, at a certain point, 
you like in the beginning of the ride, you see people on their way down the final descent screaming and getting their picture taken. And you're like, yeah. oh, no. And then there's like seven minutes of dark ride shit and you kind of forget about it. And then mm. finally you hit that last yeah. descent and you're just like and right before you're like, don't throw me in the briar patch. And like, yeah. you're like, oh, no, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. It's, it's all about pacing. Yeah. I mean, that's what ma- it's part of the reason that makes Splash Mountain great also is. It's so long. Mm. Every other ride, you know, like Peter Pan's a minute and a half. Yeah. You know, like, so like uh, Splash Mountain in the Magic Kingdom is 11 minutes and 45 seconds. In Disneyland, it's nine minutes, 18 seconds. In Tokyo, it's 10 minutes. And so it's like they, you really, you kind of get your bang for your buck. That's why people are flipping out about that new Star Wars ride, right? Uh, So it's 20 minute experience. It's 20 minutes long. It's like really a full thing. Yeah. Full commitment. Well, regardless, cuts in 1983. When Dick Nunes, then president of Walt Disney Attractions, wished to create something like Pirates of the Caribbean, but more exciting, and had a river raft ride in mind. It was Imagineer Tony Baxter that took the idea and ran with it. This uh, was during the, quote, blue sky phase of development. That yeah. is a term the Imagineers use when it's essentially, kind of reminds me of sketch writing, when we would originally write our rough draft of a sketch without thinking about what props would have to be involved or technical aspects, and that's kind of what's going on here. There's no constraints, everything, you know, ignoring any possible technicality and just letting ideas flow freely. And Tony said, I thought about it a long time, but the idea really came to fruition when we were discussing ideas for Tomorrowland with George Lucas. One of our concepts called for tearing down America Sings, but I kept thinking, what a terrible waste of all those audio animatronics characters. Isn't there something we can do with them? Then he realized he could apply them to the film Song of the South and make a big splash with a ride centered around a log flume, which was something they wished to incorporate into the park as a thrill ride component to get the teen market they were lacking. And the concept was to center the ride around the song Zippity Doo Dah and to not include any of them, oh, you know, more unsavory elements of the film as uh, you can just say black people hold in. (laughs) as it was acknowledged even then that the film was an issue for the company so uh, they had already decided to never release the movie again wow like because in america you can find it real easy in europe and japan (laughs) 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 which is its own can of worms that i can't i mean it still shocks me that they felt that way about the movie and we're still like yep Green light it. Let's do a, uh, you know, a huge, I mean, this was a huge undertaking. This was a massive budget. Yeah. This wasn't just like some little corner of the park. This it was cost a centerpiece. As as like in relation to an inflation throughout time, it cost as much to make this ride as it did the entirety of Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So, but this was 75 million and Disneyland was 17 million, but then with inflation, it was 80 million. So mm-hmm. it's basically the same price tag. So it took the Imagineers four weeks to create a storyboard and a 120th scale model of the ride, which seemed to impress the rest of the company. People were like popping in and seeing this scale model and yeah. being like, that looks amazing. It was, it looks so cool. It's really cool. There's pictures of it online. The ride would include a Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, as well as over 100 characters recycled from the America Sings attraction. And these American Sings animatronics just so happened to have been designed by Imagineer Mark Davis, who before that time had done animation on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, as well as... Song of the South. So the aesthetic of these animals just perfectly naturally blended with the film because it was the same guy actually behind both. 
Now, America Sings, uh, if we could talk about that for two seconds, that came out in 74, and it was basically they were ramping up for the bicentennial in 76. Yes. And so they wanted like a big patriotic attraction to replace Carousel of Progress. What's like, what is the bicentennial? Uh, 200, 200 years, years of America, 17, right. uh, 1976. A, a general celebration that wasn't like a specific it location. It was such a big deal. In 1976, yeah. you couldn't go anywhere in America without everyone wearing flags, flying. It was like a big hurrah. Gotcha. They changed the quarters. They changed the goddamn quarters. You wow. wait for 2026 when it's uh, 250 years. Yeah, it's going it, to get interesting. Everybody's so fucking hype about America these days. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be so fun and cool. I and mean, everyone's hopefully love we it. could be excited by that. I would love that, actually, personally. <laughs> Just four years away. I would know? love a 4th of July without the necessary tweets that we've had to see recently. <laughs> um, but America Sings, um, nine days after it opens, okay, in 1974, had a fucking disaster. Okay, I don't know. Do you have you guys heard about this? No. So, all right. Have you ever been on the Carousel of Progress? It's a rotating theater. It's in a circle. And so the audience is the outside of the circle, and the inside of the circle are four to five show scenes. And the and then what happens is is that the audience spins, uh, you know, like the, the whole it rotates a theater of like 150 people and it spins it so it moves, and then the show scenes in the middle. Once you get to the new spot, it locks in process, it locks in place, and then the new animatronic show scene starts. And that's how the Carousel of Progress runs. Uh, it was a new technology that it premiered at the 1964 World's Fair, and so nine days after it opens, a girl working, uh, a, a cast member, uh, she was work. Her name was Deborah Gale Stone. Uh, was working there and she was crushed to death in front of everybody. When the scenes were moving, she like tried to like run between the scenes at the last minute. And then the two walls came oh. and she was in the middle of it and it crushed oh, her to death fuck. I thought while she they were was playing like... Yankee doodle dandy. And she's just oh. sitting there screaming, getting crushed to death. 18 the, years old. The version <gasps> I heard of that story was that it wasn't in front of the audience. She was out of sight of the audience and they heard the wailing and they didn't stop yes. the ride because they just thought it was part of the show. Oh. Yeah, no, she was in the back. You're right. They didn't see it. And it was the last show of the day too. It was like 10 PM. And so, and it, and she was and and like yeah, then they're literally singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. And oh, she's fucking the worst screaming. So all these animatronics on Splash Mountain death. saw this girl die, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is insane. Good God, yeah. And so yeah, and so that I mean, and then they decided that was nine days. So it was a cursed attraction mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, and now like they don't even use the room anymore. It's like a uh, Star Wars like museum. Oh, okay, gotcha. Now, yeah, that's all it is now. And so I, I would love for them to do something with that space but still <laughs> yeah so i just wanted to throw that in there <laughs> and i mean i will say that i was gonna i thought you were getting to the notorious uh, woman dying from drowning in her own pussy juice and finger blast mountain but <laughs> oh, that yes. was oh, its own they uh, love- <laughs> <laughs> that's its own tale uh right yeah, outside going back- of pittsburgh at kennywood park it happened during the garfield run on the old mountain. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so going back to the whole pitch process new disney ceo at the time michael eisner received the pitch for this project and Eisner was especially concerned of course as I mentioned before with getting teens to the park so much so that he brought his own teen son to the pitch meeting and only gave the green light after his own kids said 
Looks pretty cool. <laughs> Gave it to it after that. This His one main issue was with the name, which was originally the Zippity River Run. Do you know this? Do you know this yes. story? Yeah, 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 yeah. so ridiculous, This dude. is so crazy. It was Eisner that had it changed to Splash Mountain, which was derived from the other Disney park ride, Space Mountain, as well as a live-action movie that Disney was working on at the time that Eisner was hoping to integrate into the ride, which would have been fucking ridiculous, and that movie was Splash. The live action film about a man falling in love with a mermaid, starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. So, Splash Mountain, essentially, it took like three years before the ride would even begin to be built. And yeah. I think Imagineers, rightfully, were just hoping we could just sweep the whole part where he needs it to have splash integration under the rug. And by the time it went into production, thankfully, like Splash had come and went. Yeah. You know, there was no, yeah, it was just, there was no need to incorporate fucking Daryl Hannah as a mermaid, like, right at the very end, be like, have fun, guys! Hi, I'm Tom Hanks. I'm glad you could be here. I really wanted to bang that mermaid, and I got to. Brer Rabbit's my friend. It's great to thank you. I'm Tom Hanks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom Hanks, dressed as uh, Walt Disney, and I just want you to... <laughs> yeah, the, the, um, yeah, the, you know, on Disney Plus, they just released Splash a couple months ago mm. and they edited out her butt. Oh, oh really? They blurred her butt when oh. she runs back into the ocean. Now that's the real issue we gotta have with this cancel culture. You know what I mean? I gotta get out there with the change.org petition. I can't believe they zippity her doodah. I know, right? Unbelievable. Finger blast cove. Uh, after this moment, the whole process, as I mentioned, slowed down quite a bit. It takes three years. Essentially, it just had so many other projects in the pipeline, and this was a very expensive undertaking, so they end up finally getting to the building of it. I think it was three years wait and then it was another like two years of actually constructing the ride and all of that before they're able to get it out. They also wanted to spruce up a part of the park called Bear Country, uh, which is now called Critter Country and that was the home of the Country Bear Jamboree, still is I believe. Oh uh, um, no, uh, they they got rid of the Country, Jer- uh, oh, country yeah. Bear Jamboree in 2001. That's my favorite parts and, of the park. And they put in, well, they, the Country Bear Jamboree still exists in Disney World. Oh, okay, good. That's but the out, one I saw. They replaced it with uh, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh out here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so Country Bear Jamboree was Bear Country's only attraction. They wanted to put more stuff in there, so they add Splash Mountain, change the name to Critter Country. Uh, And unlike other rides, the Imagineers wanted the many set pieces and animatronics to be right up on top of the rider to make them feel like they're a part of the attraction to make it as immersive as humanly possible. And yeah. if you do, you know, definitely do that ride through on YouTube. If you're like listening to this right now to help enhance the experience and you really get that sense of that. Everything's like right up in your you face. You can touch it. Yeah. yeah. And, and just, and there's constant shit to look at at just every turn. There's just something kind of like just right up on you. Great on mushrooms, by the way. Oh yeah. I fucking bat dude. Oh, go, going back. Song to- of the South, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that was a little bit harder to get through it's on more of a cocaine feature. <laughs> <laughs> the Country Bear Jamboree is one of my favorite uh, I experiences love it so much. in the world. I have the, I also have the record for the Country Bear Jamboree. That, and uh, my favorite uh, my favorite character, uh, Liverlips McGraw, he's the best. <laughs> All right, I'm Googling the fuck out of that. What? <laughs> <laughs> he has a song that he sings. I wanted to sing uh, two stanzas from, if that's okay sure, for you please. guys. It's called uh, My Woman Ain't Pretty. <laughs> and this is a, 
I got a woman and she's got me. Whatever we do, we both agree. She ain't pretty, but I ain't too. The things we like are the things we do. My woman ain't pretty, but she don't swear none. She's kind of heavy, but she don't weigh a ton. She's my woman through and true. I love her only because her heart is true. I mean, Aww. I already heard that once already because Ed, of course, sang it to Julie at their wedding recently. Yeah. Aww. And it was one of the more upsetting parts. Uh, sing- Julie's father was visibly upset. <laughs> it was it was really unfortunate. I only sing bear songs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my growl, I looked him up. He might as well be a Five Nights at Freddy's character. He is upsetting yeah. to look upon. Yeah. yeah, but he's got a great voice. And he's very he's the Elvis bear. I mm. loved Country Bear Jamie as a kid. That was like my biggest pleasant surprise. I think when I was a little little kid, I yeah. remember being like kind of frightened by the Peter Pan ride, but. Really enjoying that. But I remember Country Bear Jamboree was like the hidden gem of my little kid Disney experience. Oh, they're finally de-racisting the um, the Peter Pan ride as well. Oh. They're taking out the uh, the Native Americans with the horrible features. That's probably and, yeah, a good so they're, idea. You know, they're, they're doing Only the hot revamp. ones get to stay. <laughs> Um, So there are four songs featured on Splash Mountain, the ride Splash Mountain. How do you do? Everybody has a laughing place. Uh, Everybody has a laughing place. Mm-hmm. Burroughs Lament and of course Zippity Doodah there's some other songs you hear little snippets of kind of like in line and things like that but those yeah. are the four main featured songs How Do You Do was recorded specifically for the ride by a 29 piece band from Oregon called the Floozies wow everybody has a laughing place was sung by three sisters Eliza Georgia and Castell Newton mm-hmm. uh, and Zippity Doodah was done by over 75 cast members wow uh, in the recording specifically for the ride which makes sense because it's that crazy Riverboat, yeah. and that was, I think, at, at least at the time, maybe still is one of the, the largest like moving props ever built. It's insane. It's crazy. One yeah. of the and, my favorite yeah. things about the Zippity Duda is at Tokyo Disneyland, they sing it in Japanese, and it is just so gosh darn delightful. Uh, April, if you can ch- pipe in a little bit of that. So a couple more little specs on the ride. The drop is 52 and a half feet. The ride contains, I guess it varies depending on the summer and the winter, but it contains around 950,000 gallons of water. The drop is a 45-degree angle, and the log reaches a maximum speed of 40 miles per hour. Or if Ed's in the front, somewhere upwards of 60, I believe, <laughs> miles per hour, depending on you know, what what uh, era of his life we're in. Um, but yeah, uh, any other... I, that's all I have on Splash Mountain before we get to Princess and the Frog. Well, do you so know anything else from you guys? Do you know what Splash Mountain is actually called? Uh no, Chickapin Hill. Mm. What? What do you mean? It's Splash Mountain, like the in the story of Splash Mountain, oh. it's not called Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain's the name of the ride, right? But the hill itself is called Chickapin Hill. Chickapin Hill, and it, which is weird because when they move it, when they change it over to Princess and the Frog, it's going to be called Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Yes, which is weird because like they're losing. It's like a land of like. 
the Disneyland is a land of mountains. You got yeah. Matterhorn Mountain, you got Space Mountain, you got Big Thunder Mountain, you got Splash Mountain. So the fact that they're deciding to lose a mountain, they even sell like shirts that say Conqueror of Mountains. Right, you know, and they right. have all the rides on it and stuff. So for them to like make a choice to lose one of the mountains in title is kind of crazy to yeah. me. I thought they were going to keep the name Splash Mountain, but then uh, but then just do the the Tiana stuff. The it's an interesting branding thing. I wonder if they'll still try to like refer to it as Blank Mountain somehow, like yeah. Frog Mountain or something like that. Do you know that in the late nineties it was uh, known as Flash Mountain mm-hmm. because um, young ladies were flashing their boobies at the camera and they were getting pictures of the boobies that they were buying from Disney. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to also talk about the many different. You know, it's becoming such an internet meme now. The well, many different. It was different... one of like the first, like back when a single JPEG was like the entirety of your internet post like the novelty splash mountain uh photos which uh the 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 souvenir photo it the splash mountain i feel like definitely popularized that whole i like, think they were the first yeah so i'm um, not 100 percent on that but i think they were so uh you know famous ones like the guys who brought a prop version of a gamecube and a smash brothers and a game yes. and a monitor yeah, uh, people so playing funny. chess, people doing heart surgery. There's been wedding proposals. There's been people <laughs> coming out of the closet, uh, people in tuxedos. Just I'm thinking specifically from like 2007 to 2012. If you wanted an easy pop on dig or stumble yeah. upon, uh, yeah. you took right. a goofy photo on Splash Mountain. Uh, one that I see on many lists is a very stern faced Asian teenager holding a sign that just says 9-11 was a lie. Look up thermite. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get, get your story across. I love it so much. Yeah. Anything else on the ride before I start screaming about a princess and her frog? You got to be 35 inches tall to ride, just okay. so you know. You know that's good. Oh, in um, 2018, Ziploc sponsored the uh, Magic Kingdom version, uh, oh. and they gave you big Ziploc bags to put all your stuff in it, so it wouldn't get wet. That's nice. You know, Disney always likes to like it, they hate paying for the maintenance of their rides, uh-huh. so they always try to find someone to sponsor the ride right, to pay right. for the maintenance, and they just like throw the logo above the sign, mm-hmm. right? And so Ziploc did it for a little while, and um, I think that's about it. I mean, yeah, let's start. To get into the into Tiana here. Uh, it, oh wait, one last thing. In an interview, uh, Tony Baxter, the head Imagineer in charge of the project, did admit mm-hmm. that he visited the Okanee River uh, back in the day. So, like, there's yeah. So he was inspired by it. Yeah. Hmm. So, Princess and the Frog, directed by legendary Disney team John Musker and Ron Clements. This film would be one of the last films Disney released with traditional animation. I think there was a Winnie the Pooh film. Oh, yes. That came, that was technically the last one. But I think this one is the main line. Mm-hmm. Like, when you think Musical, of, yeah, big Disney. Princess. Affairs, like, yeah. princess, yeah, all, all that stuff. This is the last one. And it was actually a brief return to traditional animation. The company had already announced in 2004 that the film Home on the Range would be their last traditionally animated film. However, after the acquisition of Pixar in 2006, they reversed this decision and brought back a bunch of animators that they had actually already laid off or had quit for a final hurrah. And this included the team of Musker and Clements, who had co-directed The Great Mouse Detective, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Hercules. I mean, these are the guys. And stuff, like modern stuff, like Moana was them too. Like, they've been still at it. Well, the head of story was Don Hall, 
Paul, who did the story and co-directed Moana, I believe, uh, oh, wow. as well. Yeah, and uh, the animation approach heavily based on the film Lady and the Tramp. They point to that film as the first film that Disney put out that that created that very stylized animation Disney became known for with later films like 101 Dalmatians and Sleeping Beauty. Jungle Book. Yeah, it just had that, that flowy big over the top the kind Frank of, and Ollie years exactly and uh, so that was their definitely their big inspiration which you see all over uh, the DNA of Princess and the Frog uh, wishing to set a fairy tale in America for once they look towards the city of New Orleans and I mean we talked about kind of how Uncle Remus and all that Song of the South was kind of an initial attempt to be like, well, we're always going to Europe for our stories. Now we want to do like an American affair. Um, So it's just kind of funny, all the little one-to-ones you can find here with this stuff, like unfortunately sort of in times. But uh, either way, they ended up looking towards the city of New Orleans because it had a lot of, quote, magical qualities to it, which I absolutely agree with, having gone there myself. And also CEO at the time, John Lasseter's, it was his favorite city. So yeah. the director spent a lot of time in the city for inspiration. Uh, they ended up basing the main character's passion to open a restaurant on a real-life person named uh, Leah Chase, uh, Lee Chase was this restauranteur that they had met who was, I believe, one of the first African-American owners of of a restaurant, at least maybe down there at the time, mm-hmm. had this very storied career, this very successful restaurant owner. For the music, they decided to go with Randy Newman. How good's that score? I mean, just a great, great soundtrack. Not just that. Dr. John's got and a Dr. song. And Dr. John is the opening track. Yeah, yeah. Neo's got a song. It's, it's great. It's pretty fantastic. And uh, yeah, they... I think we had Dirty Dozen Brass Band, too, they brought in, I believe, yeah. as well. Oh, and, man, I just went to the trombone shorty voodoo throwdown uh, last yeah. night. It was badass. Uh, we, don't awesome. to to, we don't need to go to it. We don't need to it. You know, of course, Randy Newman had already had the hit soundtrack uh, Toys for Toy Story in 1995, so yeah. definitely was already kind of in the mix uh, with Disney and everything, Pixar. This, of he course, also did Cars, and yeah, he, did, he did all kinds. He did Monsters, of, Inc. You know, he did everything. He's a go-to guy. And this, of course, was the first Disney film to feature a black princess who was voiced by Anika Noni Rose. Noni Rose said, being the first black Disney princess, that was such a first, and it really has changed the way young brown children and are looked at in school and fantasy when they are playing. It's no longer, you can't be the princess, it's expected and normal. And she was also the first princess that didn't need no man. She was, you know, she put, she, she worked hard and she got a restaurant herself. You know, the man was nice to have, you know, it's nice to fall in love. But she, her but, aspirations were, were outside of just being a princess. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. was, which I mean, was nice. The, uh, the Kristen Chenoweth characters in the movie specifically to kind of make fun of the idea of princess as end goal, uh, mm-hmm. which is yeah. counter to the fact that, you know, uh, having Tiana in the lineup of the Disney princess merchandise line was probably a big win for selling even more pretty dresses and plastic mm. vanity mirrors for the company. So I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely uh, they have the Tiana dress at the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I will say one of the funny things is, uh, you know, people have definitely spoken about this before, but the first black princess ever for a Disney film, and she spits. <laughs> 90% of the film a frog, which is very, I thought very, uh, you know, I remember even people talking about that back in the day, but it's still, she's awesome. And 
does such a great job in the movie, and it really and I really did quite enjoy it. Uh, shout outs to Doctor Facilier, aka the Shadow Man, Keith has David, yeah. so fucking good in this movie. Maybe man. my favorite David. villain song in the entire Disney canon. Friend, friends on the other side, that, yeah. yeah, so fucking good. I was floored by that. Ray Just, the Firefly is my favorite character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With Jim Cummins, who yeah. is also he's you know, I don't know if you know he's got the one of the most incredible uh VO careers ever because mm-hmm. he's Winnie the Pooh, he's Tigger, he's Darkwing Duck, he's Pete, you know, the bad guy, Pete mm-hmm. the big dog, mm-hmm. uh Hondo, uh mm-hmm. Onaka, Tasmanian Devil, mm-hmm. Orson Welles on Animaniacs, oh, Dr. Man. Robotnik in uh wow. in uh, the Sonic show, uh Ed, one of the hyenas from The Lion King, it was uh-huh. Cheech. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg and him were the three uh, hyenas. How crazy is that? He's so bonkers. And uh, he was. You remember in uh, Roger Rabbit? This is my favorite one. The the uh, at the at the, the, towards the, the, bullet. the the bullets. Yeah, he's one of the bullets. I love the bullets in that movie. We already we already did our Who Framed Roger Rabbit episode, by the way. Oh it's really? Fucking, oh, oh, I gotta so listen good. to it. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So, of course, even this film uh, received its fair share of controversy. Before the film was even out of production, there were uh, multiple African-American media outlets kind of calling some stuff out. There was disapproval over the main character's name originally because it was Maddie, which they felt was a little too close to the term Mammy. They also weren't thrilled that her original occupation was chambermaid, so they mm-hmm. ended up changing that as well. Uh, also, some felt the initial title of Frog Princess, didn't know this one, was a slur towards French royalty. All of this resulted in the main character's name being changed to Tatiana, or Tiana, right? Yeah, Not Tatiana. Tiana. The film's title being changed to The Princess and the Frog instead of The Frog Princess, and Tiana's occupation as a waitress instead of chambermaid. Yeah, and, they, and a cook. And they also uh, hired Oprah Winfrey as a technical consultant after all of that. That's a good and idea. And that's how she ended up getting the voice acting role in the movie as uh, Tiana's mother, Eudora, but also I think was around to like help. Because again... I mean, I'll, I'll even have to call out, you know, Randy Newman, white guy. We've got like, yeah. it's all white guys. Dr. John. Even. <laughs> yeah, even like all making this thing, you know. And I think there was also hesitation around them picking New Orleans. This was the time of Katrina. A mm-hmm. huge amount of African-American communities were displaced and, and dealing with all this stuff. And, you know, that, there was just a lot of like 
what are you guys doing now? I mean, it's just so funny because how far we've come from Song of the South where like yeah. people, I think, uh, you know, and especially the rise of the internet and everything, a lot of people being like, hey, Disney, though, we're going to check you on some shit here because you're definitely like, you know, haven't had the best track record and you're trying to like, we, we love that you want to bring out this African-American princess. That's really cool, but like, haven't had the best track record, and I'm not seeing a lot of uh, black people actually involved in the making well, of this. Also, thing. they didn't even bring this up till we were like three weeks into the uh, Black Lives Matter protests. Mm, mm, you mm-hmm. know, like they claim they've been working on it for five years, but uh-huh. but the thing is, you know, they didn't say nothing until like someone did a Change.org petition. Yes, to get to get rid of it was just about to get into that for sure. <laughs> it was back in 2020 amidst the hailstorm of Black Lives Matter protests. A big conversation around the kind of historical relics we keep up in our society as brutal reminders of our nation's past. Folks on Twitter started up a conversation about revising Splash Mountain to remove all references to the film Song of the South. One user even went ahead and redesigned it himself. Here's like a one section of this. He went through meticulously every part of the ride and just examined how you could totally easily change this. He said, I've been working on a retheme of Splash and a Princess and the Frog for years. I know how you would redo it scene by scene. Honestly, it wouldn't be too expensive and it could bring in a lot of interest to the area. I believe you keep the version in WDW since it is a better attraction overall. This is similar to Guardians taking over Tower in DCA. Critter Country is rethemed into the Bayou with Tiana's Palace taking over Hungry Bear or the area across from Splash and the space that makes up Fowler's Harbor. Mama Odie's place would act as the queue and loading area with strange voodoo inspired sets throughout the queue. The user keeps going. It, It just every every single spot of this ride completely redesigned just not by an imagineer just some guy on facebook yeah this led to a change.org petition it garners over 20,000 signatures i signed it yeah oh awesome and yeah. it was a rare success for the site with disney actually announcing that year that they intended on a retheming to princess and the frog they did however claim this was already in the works before the change.org petition i will say that they said that they were already had been working on this for months before yeah but still, I don't know if uh, how, how true or false that is. Allegedly, it should also be noted that the ride is right up, as we said, next to New Orleans Square. Such a no-brainer. Uh, yeah. This is part of Disney's statement that they made. The approach to retheming or plussing attractions, as Walt Disney referred to it, begins mm-hmm. with Imagineers asking the question, how can we build upon or elevate the experience and tell a fresh, relevant story? It's a continuous process that Imagineers are deeply passionate about. And with this longstanding history of updating attractions and adding new magic, the retheming of Splash Mountain is of particular importance today. The new concept is inclusive, one that all of our guests can connect with and be inspired by, and it speaks to the diversity of the millions of people who visit our parks each year. So yes, apparently it's the end of 2024. Both parks will open Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Yeah. Disney. I'm excited. Tokyo. I'm Tokyo's still in the mix. We don't know yeah. what Tokyo's doing. We don't know what Tokyo's doing. They said they doing. might do something. They yeah, might do the, something. The thing with Tokyo and the other um, uh, uh, theme uh, we parks talk in about Asia. The Oriental Land Company again? Yes. Yeah, the Oriental Land Company. That's the name of a company. Do not we're we're not using that as yes, uh, genuinely. Yes, it's their company. That's but they have some creative license mm-hmm. with their parks. They split the 50-50 with Disney. And so they get to do whatever the hell they want. But in uh in America, they don't have a choice. In Paris, they don't have a choice. Right. I don't know if the culture impact is quite as felt maybe over there of like why this is not 
you know, oh, for the sure. best. But yeah, I, I, I again, all for this. I think it's great. I, it's good I'm for America. Genuinely excited. I do feel like maybe I should try to get out there and, and experience the original Splash Mountain before it's gone forever. I would love to forever. go to Disneyland with you, Let's Holden. do it, dude. And I want to go. We should, I mean, honestly, yeah. you, we should do it, the four of us. Lexi yeah. would have such a nice time. Totally. I would love it. It would be great. You know yeah. what else they're doing? Disney Plus is releasing a Tiana show just oh, to cool. drum up excitement. So she's oh, going to cool. get her own uh, Disney Plus that cartoon. That actress is thrilled right now. She gets to do, she's voicing the ride. Yeah. I mean, she's probably voicing the show as well. Yeah. She's so happy right now. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Get that money. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm proud of her. Jake, do you have anything else on on all of this? It's taken a very long time, and the fact that Disney, for just, we talked about this, the the bizarreness of the original decision in 1989 to be like, no, no, it's fine. We can just keep the zippity doo and like all the other icky stuff is we can just kind of push it to the side in our mystery box of don't talk about it. Why is everybody talking about our mystery box? Stop talking yeah. about it. Why did like, just say like, it was shitty. It was shitty. Yeah. It, uh, the idea that there was this like normalized, uh, just happy, uh, relationship and like n- this this idealized version of the South that is inoffensive and doesn't have any ethical implications uh, that a lot of Americans still hold on to. And they didn't want to alienate specifically. So they kept it in limbo for this long was a mistake. If you are curious and want to hear a much smarter, much more uh fundamentally sound interpretation of the song of the South, its legacy and the creation of splash mountain. Uh, you should definitely check out the podcast. You must remember this. They did a whole series mm. about it and they really get into blow by blow every single bit of American culture that came to a head at the top of this mountain. Can yeah. we also just recognize how good that fucking song has to be? Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's how fucking good Zippity Doo Die is. It's a good song. Jesus. <laughs> Any other situation, like just replace it with anything. Yeah. <laughs> They're bringing Tony Baxter back out of retirement to work on the princess and the frog <laughs> uh, uh splash mountain so they're even taking that's, the guy who, wow. who did it in the first place and he's coming out of retirement to that's work interesting. on it that's cool but uh yeah i, I do i do find it cool and yeah. even he and you know to his uh, credit if you look at the history he just that was how he could apply the america sings animatronics that was just how he figured out how to apply it. I mean, you got to use them. Yeah, he was just like, what movie would work? That one would. And and I don't think it thought anything much past that. You no, know, for sure. So, yeah, it's just this weird circumstantial situation. You I know? am. I think I love Splash Mountain as a ride throughout my childhood. I liked it as an adult. I am happy to see it go. The only thing is, I do. I think that briar patch is such a striking. It looks cool. Look, and yeah. I, I hope that they find a way to keep some of that because it really is just synonymous. I think with like the the you know the ride. To you me. can throw I, some like spooky friends from the other side over there, right? And would, like keep the briars. I kind of feel like well, they it's always just, hide stuff. Yeah. You know, they always like put homages to the old right. rides and stuff like that. Sure. So there'll be some Easter eggs in there, some For hidden sure. Mickey's and no, all that. No, that's Hopefully the point. Just let it die. 
<laughs> because the kid's going to see like a little frog guy smoking a pipe in a corner and he's going to be like, what's he from? And they're going to be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the day they uh, announced that they were going to switch it over, a bunch of people went to Disney World and bought all the merch and then sold it on eBay for like triple oh, the price yeah. and then got banned from Disney for life. I bet. I bet. <laughs> well, all right. Well, Ed, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you for having resident me. Disney expert. I'm sure it will not be the last time. This was so much fun. Such a good, such a fat. This was such a, you know, a lot of times just like, wow, what made something so successful? That's so interesting. This is this Were you trying to say fascinating, but you were looking at Ed and me, so you just said fat? Did that actually yes. happen? Fascinating. Yeah. What a fat fucking experience this was. With two fat guys. No, but yeah, just what a, what a wild uh, roller coaster, pun intended, of a story here. I mean, just incredible and good timing too, because I'm, I'm excited to see this new ride come to fruition and everything. And regardless, Black Lives Matter, I'm Holden McNeely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, but actually, before I get into my plugs and Jake's plugs, what do you got for us, Ed? I mean, please, you know, I plugged it when I came into the Epcot podcast, but I do this thing called the Eddie Tunes 2-Hour Radio Hour, which you can find on my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Eddie Tunes, E-D-D-I-E-T-U U-N-E-S. But if you want to hit me up, DM me directly. I made one of these episodes, episode seven, oh. a three hour uh, Disney epic uh, oh, episode. Yeah. So please, there is a Princess and the Frog song in there, not a Splash Mountain song. <laughs> so uh, so if you want to listen to that episode, hit me up. But if you want to listen to all the other episodes, go ahead and join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Tunes. And also, please check out the brighter side, the uh, podcast I have on the uh, last podcast now. Network with the great Amber Nelson. Hell yeah. Love the brighter side. Fantastic stuff. Holden comes on. He does dinosaur episodes with yes. us that are very good. So dinosaur look for those. Facts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta get on one of those again soon. Uh, check me out. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Monday, Tuesday, Friday streams. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Check out that Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Whizbrew. Weekly bonus episodes for $5 a month. And for $15 a month, join us for our Sunday study session where we did not watch Song of the South this past week, but we did watch Princess and the Frog. It was a wonderful time. I nice. greatly, greatly enjoyed you that. Should have told me. I, I should. I was. I realized as we were doing it. I was like, I definitely should have had up about this. Also, Jake, follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. Read all my thoughts and plops, and check out little bits of research from throughout the week that I'm just dropping in there. You're great on Twitter, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I love you. Follow. You're, you're, you're a really good follow. You're a really good follow. Yeah, for I enjoy sure. It. My God, oh, you know what? Follow Eddie on everything. Just, just everything Eddie said again. <laughs> God, that's the only compliment I've received in the past year. Do you understand? It's dark time. I tell you, you're good at this all the time. Do I? I don't know. Maybe I don't. Also, Either way. Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube. Look for Puppet Jared for the Cartoon Dumpster Thursdays. I watch weird old bad cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and I just rip them to shreds. I just take a steam and dump on the hard work of hundreds of forgotten animators, and it's a very good time. People genuinely have fun. If you like this show, you're probably going to like the Cartoon Dumpster. Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Twitch, YouTube, Puppet Jared. Look it up. That's fun. Hell yeah. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on zipping. Oh, I thought you were going to say whizzing. Yeah, yeah. That too. That (laughs) (laughs) This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. 
For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.